Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. Right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube. I'm Brett Amundsen along with Dan Amundsen. Dan, how you doing? We're in the Hall of Fame. Isn't this cool? Pretty cool. We are out of the studio, obviously, as you can see. Couldn't we're tell. in the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame. Those watching can tell, those listening cannot. But well, when I say we're in the Hall of Fame, maybe, well, maybe we're just like, it's a hint. Maybe we're that good at radio. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> it's all theater of the mind. <laughs> the studio is we're the Hall of Fame. We're still in our studio. Now, we're actually in Hayward, Wisconsin right now for the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Riders Media Camp. We did some fishing on the Chippewa Flowage. Uh, we got to uh, tour the St. Croix Rod Factory. Sure did. That was really cool. Uh, we've gotten to see some really cool things. They ate a lot of food. Uh, Real full right now. Yeah, very full. How right many now. chimichangas did you eat? Well, one. How many did you order? Two. Why? Yeah, because I didn't think they were going to be that big. <laughs> they were giant. Anyway, uh, we had a lot of good food. We've met a lot of really cool people. We're up here with uh, some neat outdoor communicators as well. You're going to hear from some of them. Uh, we're going to interview Emmett Brown, who's the executive director here at the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame and, and Museum here in Hayward. Uh, we're also going to talk to Blake Tollefson. He works for St. Croix. He's, uh, he's uh, their social media guy, runs a pro staff, does a bunch of stuff for them. Mm -hmm. And he's a great photographer, too, and knows how to catch crappies. So we picked his brain a little bit about panfish fishing because that's what we we're doing up here and uh, I believe we're gonna have Amanda Wilson on too from Deerfoot Lodge that's where we've been staying up here this whole time as well too so we want to get you some info about the area if you want to plan a trip up here this summer we're gonna give you some tips about that and just kind of talk about what we saw up here Dan what what do you think was a highlight so far on this trip not just here at the museum but overall Ooh, well you put me on the spot on that one yeah, that's um, what I like to do the lake was pretty cool you know fishing we can say was whatever but just the lake itself was a really unique body of water obviously a flowage it flooded so there's a lot of natural but unnatural bot you know water but it's gorgeous the little skinny stretches of water we got to go through the trees the woods you know somebody said this is as close as you'll get to canada scenery without being in canada i could argue that northern minnesota's got some spots that are pretty darn close to canada because sure. they are close to canada but this is uh, for Northwest Wisconsin, it's, it's a cool spot. You know, it's an interesting lake, the Chippewa Flowage, uh, the Big Chip, Lake Chippewa, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's such an interesting body of water, and we've heard about it for so long. This is the Killing first, mosquitoes. yeah, mosquitoes came out like crazy this week. And with all the water up here, of course, uh, there's mosquitoes all over the place. We had to deal with that, but it's, it's this legendary body of water that we've heard about a lot. This is our first time being here, and it's largely undeveloped. You know, there's a number of resorts around it, of course, some private ownership. It's partially owned uh, by the Lacouture tribe up here. So uh, there's some undeveloped shoreline. So it really makes you feel like you're up north, like you were talking about. And there's islands all over the place. It's easy to get lost. And at first, you know, we had uh, a boat that we had to go from one side of the lake to the other. We thought it was going to take a while. It, it's really not a giant lake. No, it looks a lot bigger. When you look at it, the map, you're like, whoa, this is a big lake. Then <laughs> you make a run from one side to the other and you're like, oh, we're, we're here already. And yeah. Granted, Minnesotans have a different perspective on big lakes, I think. We have big lakes. We have Red, we have Lake the Woods, Mille Lacs, Leech, all these lakes. We have big water. And Chippewa flowage is big water, but it feels like small water just because it's broken up so much. You won't have yeah. a blow day on this lake. You'll be able to fish every day if you want to. And there are it's just some smaller water that's all connected and makes big water. Yeah, and it, it, Big water. it was formed back in the 1920s, you know, 100 years ago when they put a dam in 
a hydroelectric dam to, to create some electricity. So it flooded, you know, old farms, uh, old roadways. So there's some, some man-made structure that's still underground in different parts uh, of this area. And then uh, like other bodies of water that are impoundments where, where areas were flooded, you can actually travel into what were other lakes and fish them now as part of the Chippewa Flowage. Yep. A little like Devil's Lake. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what I was thinking of yep. was Devil's Lake. Yep. So we, we had a chance to see the lake. We, Man, we, there's so many things that we've gotten to see here that we won't have enough time to talk about on this podcast right here, but we're creating videos for Fish Hunt Forever on YouTube, so make sure you subscribe to our channel there. We're also filming a bunch of stuff for Aglow, so if you don't follow Aglow on social media, make sure you follow Aglow Outdoors on Instagram and also on Facebook as well too, because we're putting, we'll be putting out some more content on those uh, platforms from our trip up here, because like today we had breakfast at the Tiger Muskie Resort yep. and talking to the owners there. I mean, just some of the history of these resorts resorts that have been here forever and some of them are fifth generation owners and some of them have so much history and when we were there today the owner showed me a picture of their dad who I think was the original owner I think he bought it in uh, the 70s I believe it was and in 78 he was a uh, he, he was a pilot in in the service and he had a military plane an f-100 that he actually flew down the channel right in front of the tiger muskie resort here at the chippewa flowage he was down below the tree level right i mean 30 feet off the water it was amazing it was a it was a huge deal back in the day and uh it's just the amount of history and stories that we've gotten to hear uh while we're here we're incredible. Before we even got to the Fishing Museum and the Hall of Fame here, Dan, I mean, so much fishing history in this building right here alone. Yeah, it, we're standing next to, I don't even know how many outboards, some by brands I bet you didn't know tried to make outboards. Firestone, the tire company has an outboard right here. Buccaneer. Whoever that Corsair. is. Yep. Mercury. I know that one. Yeah, I think we've heard of them. And then like, we're standing next to the Lorance section here, the old paper graphs, just how far these electronics have come someday live scope will be in this thing i'm sure it's come so far but at the same time i was talking to dan small earlier we were over in one of the lure sections fishing industry's come a long ways but at the same time it really hasn't changed that much what do these things do they still they marked fish what are things do they mark fish differently you look at a lot of the lures hanging on the wall there's a lot of lures we use today that are very very similar that still catch fish and some people probably even use some of those lures hanging on the wall there's a jitterbug over there i love fishing a jitterbug you know it was, yeah, and some of the reels, like there's a reel over here, Someone's Dan. broke the whole thing. <laughs> They're gonna kick us out of here pretty soon. Uh, there's a reel, and I'd never seen this design, and obviously it's over 100 years old, and it's like a big- You weren't there when they invented I it? I wasn't, I'm not, not, no, I was, I was born the next year. <laughs> It's like an octagon shaped with two little pegs for handles on the side and these, the, the line wraps way up around the outside. If you're watching this, we'll put the video up on the screen right here, but just some of the designs that obviously some made it, some didn't, you can see yeah. <laughs> how some have evolved over the years and some still look very similar yeah. to 100 years ago, especially these lures. Like you can tell some, some lures just catch fish and the design hasn't changed right. much over the years. Yeah, well a crankbait's still a crankbait. What's changed much with crankbait these days besides little intricacies color you know paint schemes not a whole lot it's a typically balsa wood that wiggles through the water hasn't yeah. changed much since uh the old lori rapala days there's a lori rapala workshop somewhere over there i don't yeah. i don't quite have my bearings where we are right now but it's, i know 
somewhere yonder. Well, there's little rooms and little places you can go. And to the right of me here, there's a world records gallery and it's just pictures of all the world record fish that have been caught over the years. And obviously some records get broken. And so some are still called world record fish, but obviously there's bigger ones, but you can just see history. It's like walking through a, a, a Polaroid display of fishing history, uh, the freshwater fishing history of the world, basically. And uh, a lot of, you know, so much of this is funded by donations and, uh, you know, people that care about fishing and want to see the traditions continued. So they're always asking for more donations, but you'll see names on a lot of the exhibits here donated by this mm -hmm. person, donated by that person. There's really cool uh, displays like this bait shop, an old bait shop behind us. And then there's one uh, on, in one of the other rooms here, and it's uh, it's like an old hunting cabin, basically. Yeah, and there's the old fishing shack. Yeah, oh yeah, fish fishing shack it's and fishing hall of fame, bro. I know. Well, I know, but it, they it, they've got a deer head, you know, mounted on the wall, and it's it's like a hunting shack, fishing shack, whatever. There's uh, somebody sleeping, you know, in the bed. But then there's a bear up on the table. You know, a bear broke into the cabin, which we're in Northwest Wisconsin. That's probably happened. Pretty typical. Many many times. Not typical, but. It happens. Yeah. It's There's happened. a mosquito flying around here. Ah, still. Mosquitoes are so bad. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up our little portion here. Well, we're going to come back to the Hall of Fame here with uh, with Emmett Brown. He's the executive director. We'll have more with him coming up about more of the history and how this place was founded, including the Big Muskie. If you've driven through Hayward, you've probably seen the Big Muskie. If you want to know the history behind that, he'll tell us here in just a little bit. We'll talk to Amanda Wilson from Deerfoot Lodge on the Chippewa Flowage. And then we're also going to jump in the boat with Blake Tollefson from St. Croix. It's all coming up on Sporting Journal Radio. Live Target, the leader in Match the Hatch, is back with new lures that also match the action. Introducing the Live Craw. The Live Craw is irresistible to bass, walleye, and other freshwater species. FTEC's winner, the Ultimate Frog, looks and acts just like a swimming frog. With an exposed ultra-point mustad hook and replaceable legs, the Ultimate Frog has two styles, two sizes, and eight colors. And iCast and FTEC's winner, the Live Shrimp, mimics a fleeing shrimp for saltwater angle. Coming soon from Live Target. All right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen, and we're on location right now in Hayward at the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, and Emmett Brown is with us. How are you doing? Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming. Nice to meet you. What's your title here? Are you I'm the executive, executive director? director. All right. So I run the place sure or the place runs me whatever it is <laughs> well it's a really cool place obviously uh so much history here this is our first time walking through it and it you you need a full day really to get get through everything because there, as you told us there's like a hundred thousand or there's so pieces in it there's a hundred thousand give or take uh artifacts displaying the history and heritage of freshwater sport fishing. That's amazing. Now, you don't, do you count them every night to make sure nobody took, took every any? other night, every, <laughs> every other night. So how long has this uh, museum been here? Or how long has this been here? Well, on paper, this organization, the, the Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame is, has been in existence since 1960, but it really just existed in a, in a desk drawer, uh, in a file folder. In 1974, uh, the first uh, building was built on these grounds at this location uh, with the funds uh, from a, uh, a series of Jim Beam decanters. That's amazing. Yeah, and then... How, how did that come about? You know, one of the founders... Because you uh, can't just tell us that this place got built from a Jim Beam bottle well, and not explain the story. That is, well, my understanding, it was before I got here. I've only been here 20 years. Okay. But, um, uh, but in that... Early 70s, when the, when the founders uh, were looking for um, 
um, we're, we're looking for some funding to start sure. this place. Um, the, the, the original founder, his name was Bob Kutch, reached out to, uh, he's originally from Chicago, and Beam, although they're, they're, it's a Kentucky bourbon, uh, uh, Jim Beam and Sons is from Kentucky, they have a, a big distributing uh, location in Chicago. Okay. And he, he knew somebody there, reached out to him, and they said, yeah, it's great. And, you know, back in the 70s into the 80s, uh, and, and even a little bit before that, these decanters were big. Every, every neighborhood bar, every basement bar had these, you know, commemorative decanters. Maybe it was about veterans, it was fish, hunting, you know, you name it. It was, and they were actually made in the outside of Chicago. So that was the connection, and, and uh, like, I, like I've said before, go figure. Fishing organization built on booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you, and you have some of those on display here that people can the, see. Actually, the entire, we have two sets of them right here on display. And we still sell some, by the way. Okay. All right, so the, the original building gets funded by uh, these uh, commemorative decanters. By Jim Beam, right. And then where do we go from there? And that provided this, the seed money then, not only for, for that main building, or for the entrance building as it stands today, 1974, it also provided the seed money for the, for the big muskie. Okay. You know, that, uh, that half a city block, long four <laughs> and a half story uh, thing. And uh, that, of course, is our landmark. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, in some ways, maybe it's what we're best known for, but as soon as people get here, they see we're much, much more than that. And then, and then that's, that kicked off the fundraising, and we were able to find other uh, individuals, corporations to help out, and that led to this museum then in 1982. It took a few years to flesh it out, of course. And then we built another wing um, behind me here, which I think you've probably seen. That was built in 95. And that's the actual last building we've done. Everything since then has been upgrading. You know, these buildings are starting to age now. Yeah. We You're just put new carpeting in uh, about a year and a half ago throughout. And, uh, and I mean, that's the only fundraising, or the only funding you really get is through fundraisers or selling merchandise here or private donations. You're correct. Private donations, wealth, wealthy individuals, estates, of course. People that believe, people that believe in what we're doing, and of course our museum operations, the gift shop, and admissions. Um, so, I mean, obviously you can come here. You can see some really cool old artifacts, some fishing products, and fishing history. Mm -hmm. You can climb up in the giant muskie, uh, but you also have the Hall of Fame here. Yeah, it's it's it's, pro it's our namesake um, uh, program, of course, but. We, we, we have inducted uh, about 450 individuals and organizations who made significant and lasting uh, contributions to the sport of freshwater fishing. That's, that's our, one of our three missions, the other two missions being museum operations, the history and heritage, and of course our record keeping. But I think it's what we're most proud of is uh, our Hall of Fame program. It, uh, you know, we are, as far as I know, we are really uh, North America's only uh, uh, f strictly freshwater fishing uh, Hall of Fame program. How many people do you have inducted right now? About 450. Sounds like a lot, I know, but as we were talking earlier, uh, uh, talking about earlier, 
There's been millions upon millions upon millions of, of, of sport anglers throughout the centuries, I guess. So, sure. that if, so na to narrow it down to 400 people, 450 it's pretty select people, crew. that's very select. Yeah, I mean, you think about uh, a million fishing licenses uh, get sold annually, you know, in, in Minnesota and, and yeah. many in Wisconsin, yeah, of course. Right. Uh, the 450 is a pretty select crew. Absolutely. And you can come here and see a photo of these guys. You can read a little bio about them, learn uh -huh. a little bit about them. And about how many a year do you think get inducted? A six, seven, maybe eight on a really strong year, but more like five, six, seven, eight. And we don't just pick a number and say, well, we got to get seven people sure. in. It starts with the nomination process, which, which is uh, um, on our website. It's, okay. a, it's a really easy web, it's freshwater, just Google Fishing Hall of Fame, we'll be the first domain that comes up. And um, you can actually see who all the, uh, we have uh, virtual plaques like you see around okay. here, but virtual on our website with, with bios. And the nomination process is on our uh, website as well. And so if somebody wanted to nominate somebody, they just go on the website and all the instructions are there and they They're can all there, just follow out, so. the prompts. All right, and then with all these artifacts that you have in here, when, does, does anybody ever ask you, you know, what's the strangest one or what's your favorite one? You know, something that stands out. Well, somewhere in here, and I, right offhand, I couldn't tell you where it is. I think it's in that wing over there. We actually have a, a top water bait that was, um, there's a piece of wood that's been, and uh, in, in a, in a gopher skin has been <laughs> mounted to it. Okay. To me, that's that's one of the most unusual ones. And of course, we're, you know, that mud puppy we were looking at yeah. earlier that had the break apart, um, uh, uh, you know, hooking me mechanism. That was a little unusual too. I'm not sure exactly how well it actually worked in the field, but right. uh, it was certainly a interesting idea. Well, there's a lot of displays where you can see old rod and reels, uh, old lures, old fish locators, obviously a lot of mounts everywhere you look. Mounts. Uh, and, and of course, you know, some people may think of you as a musky, musky place, musky facility, but it's obviously freshwater fishing. So there's walleyes, there's bass, obviously muskies. It's all of it, all, all the panfish, the rough fish. We, we have, you know, we, we have representations of all the different rough fish. Well, I see the world record musky bait right next to the us The big here. sucker there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On display. Yeah. But I, what I was really surprised at is, you know, I've driven by the museum, the Hall of Fame here, the first time, this is the first time I've been here, but uh -huh. I've, I've seen the big muskie. Yeah. And I've seen, obviously, you see pictures of it online and mm -hmm. everywhere you go. Uh, I didn't realize all the displays and everything that was inside that muskie when you walk in there. And maybe that's shame on us too. Maybe we should uh, advertise that a little bit better. But yeah, there's so much more than just, uh, you know, the big muskie. Yeah. Well, anyone. And, and in the summer, we have beautiful gardens here. Yeah. You know, for, I guess I get in trouble if I say for the ladies, because it's for everybody. <laughs> sure. But uh, the, it's just absolutely gorgeous grounds. And there's a fish pond out there. Yes, uh, at, the, at the base of the, uh, of the big fish, and we're going to start filling it. Uh, Oh, probably Monday. Uh, well, yeah, and your season's just getting started. I mean, we're here a little bit early. I suppose Memorial Day to Labor Day is kind of your, your busiest part of the year. Absolutely. Those, those eight, nine, ten weeks are by far the busiest. We have about 75, 50 to 75,000, depending on the year, um, and, and the economy, by the way. Um, so we have a lot of yeah. people that come here, 
and uh, it's all the lion's share of it, you know, 75% of it is between those two holidays, summer holidays. You close down in the winter. Yes, we have to, we, too, too cold, too much snow. No one's up here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Summertime is the time to come check yeah. this place out. And if people want to learn more, uh, find out, make sure that you're open, uh, learn about hours, directions to get here, and it's everything else. It's all on the here. website. Just go to www.freshwater-fishing.org or Google Fishing Hall of Fame. That's the easiest way. Sure. All right. Uh, Emmett Brown, I appreciate the time today. Well, thank you. Great place yep. here. Keep thank up you. Good work. Yep. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. This is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station on the network by downloading the podcast. Or maybe you're watching this on YouTube like all the cool kids. Uh, and you can see we're on location right now. We're in the Hayward Lakes area on the Chippewa Flowage. And we're at Deerfoot Lodge Resort with owner Amanda Wilson. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for having us here. Uh, this is a really cool place. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to host a Glow and to host you guys experiencing our beautiful community and, and our resort here on the Chippewa Flowage. Now, you've been here for 12 seasons now 12 years but the history of this resort goes back quite a ways absolutely yeah the Hayward Lakes and Sawyer County community it's timber and tourism so Deerfoot used to be a logging camp back oh, in really? the late 20s is my understanding oh, wow. and has now morphed into a, a fishing resort and year-round actually year-round experience up here in the Northwoods there's a lot to do here. Obviously, fishing is a big thing, but really, it's it's a it's a tourist draw for families, for a lot of people with a lot of different interests, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. We're super fortunate. The Hayward Lakes community. There's something for everyone. So you can come up ATVing, UTVing. There are great restaurants. There's great shopping, um, dining. You know, it's it's something something for everyone. For the sure. shopping, I think, is what Dan likes the most about. <laughs> there is a pretty cool fly fishing shop in town. Yeah. We we got into town. <laughs> today I uh, had uh, some tacos okay Main Street tacos ate way more than I needed to the portion sizes are giant at that yes. place by the way it was uh, it was really good and of course you've got you know this lake here and a lot of lakes in the area you've got some world-class fishing you like to musky fish I do yes it's a it's an addiction <laughs> what got you into musky fishing sure uh, well I grew up bass fishing actually with my dad uh, my dad took my sister and I fishing from the time we were old enough to hold a fishing pole and went to a, a family vacation resort up in northern Minnesota every summer um, growing up and then we decided we had the crazy idea we wanted to buy a fishing resort and bring this experience to other families. Um, so one of the first times we came up and were looking at the resort to purchase it, the former owner marked up a map. We wanted to 
go try to catch a trophy muskie that the Chippewa Flowage is known for. And on the first spot, I hooked my first muskie at 40 and a half. Really? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yep, no muskie gear, just on the biggest, ugliest spinnerbait I had <laughs> and biggest bass gear set up, and I was hooked. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. You know, one thing that's been really interesting here and, and kind of neat to see in an area like this is not just the history, but the family history. Uh, to see some of these resorts in the area, have, have, you know, go back five generations or, you know, there's a lot of family history. And to have your family come in, you know, 12 years ago, yep. decide to buy, not only decide to buy, get into the resort life, but uh, eh, let's try muskie fishing and catch a muskie right away and now yeah. you fish muskie tournaments. Yes. Like that's, that's a pretty wild timeline on how it all worked out. Yeah, and I used to be a banker. My banker yeah. buddies thought I was nuts. They're like, you're doing what? That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, when, when you, you know, I don't know who made the final decision, maybe it was your dad or your mom or maybe you to, to buy the resort. You know, did everybody agree on it right away or was it like, do we really want to get into the resort life? Yeah, we had talked about it a number of times. You know, it would come up and then we would kind of drop it for months and then it would come up again. And finally we started looking, we sat down and had a meeting. We had a long list of criteria that the ideal place would have. And then we looked across Northern Wisconsin and Northern Minnesota for a place. And okay. we were super lucky that a place on the Chippewa Flowage was available in a place like Deerfoot. It's, uh, we wanted to be on a lake that would attract anglers for decades to come, and I think we found it. Yeah, I think it did. it's a neat location. Obviously, it's good for anglers, uh, families. I, and I know, I see everywhere, every resort we went by had a picture of an ice cream cone on the side, pretty much. <laughs> yes. So, uh, it's not just anglers that are coming up here. It is, it is families and people uh, wanting to do all sorts of things. Um, and then, so let's go back to muskie fishing. You caught sure. that first muskie, and you said, "Yep, I'm ready for the I'm ready for the tournaments. Let's go." So it was a couple years after that, yes. So we kind of got our feet wet. We got into the groove here at Deerfoot, and then I started fishing in the Resort Association Muskie Hunt Tournament okay. with another friend of mine. Her name is Kristen. We had the still have the only two woman team in that tournament, and in 2017 we took first place with a 50 and a half inch muskie. Oh, nice! And turned around the next year, and she took it first place with the 48 inch muskie so we had back-to-back -back wins with the girls and then uh, after that I decided well time to play with the big boys so now I fish in the pro muskie tournament trail and every time I go to one of those tournaments I'm always learning a lot that's sure. impressive to see the guys and all their gear and technology and they've always been super welcoming which is nice that's got to be fun and you know it I always make fun of muskie anglers in the summer, usually muskie guides <laughs> that you can you can fish with somebody for eight hours in the boat and if you you know see a fish the guide gets a tip at the end of the day like, right it's, <laughs> it's not like walleye angler walleye guides or panfish guides where they want to catch a limit it's like well hopefully we'll you know hopefully we'll see one right right yeah but, that was kind of new when we took over the resort the guys were talking at the bar and i'm like you mean it was a good day because you saw one yeah, right. that was that was a new thing for me <laughs> <laughs> well it's fun i mean i i understand the appeal of wanting to chase muskies around I just don't know if I can afford it. <laughs> it's all expensive gear. It is, it is. But like any any hobby, I mean, we see that with the snowmobilers that come oh, in sure, and with yeah. the ATV and UTVers. So I think it's all about where you want to put your dollars, but for sure. So you've got the, the lodge here, the resort here, and you've got the tournament fishing, and then you also wear another hat with the CVB? Yes, so I have tried to get very involved with tourism in our area. I sit on the board for the Lake Chippewa Flowage Resort Association and then also for the Hayward Lakes Visitor and Convention Bureau. I think that the health of our community relies on all of us working together and getting people to our community to experience it versus maybe going somewhere else. I think that's important when you've got an area like this that 
There's a lot going on here. There's a lot of resorts. Like how many resorts would you say are in the, the near vicinity? When you talk about this area, how many resorts sure. are here? Well, right on the Chippewa Flowage, we are super fortunate. We have uh, one of the higher counts of actively operating resorts still. And in so many communities, the mom and pop resorts are disappearing. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, wow, 12 plus with like a an active bar, bar and grill. 12 plus. Yeah, and okay. then in the association itself, I wish I would have looked up numbers before we started talking, but it's it's quite a few. It's it's a very strong community yeah. with our resort association. Well, and it's important then when you have that many people that you all kind of get along. Yes, yeah, and for the most part, the businesses are super collaborative. We would much rather be working together and have the tourists come here and experience all we have to offer versus somewhere else. So if somebody were watching this or listening to this right now and said, gosh, I've been looking for a place to, to go fish that's new for me or bring my family for a summer vacation, Vacation, what are you going to tell them about the Hayward Lakes area? Yeah, I would say check out ChippewaFlowage.com. That's going to give you information about all of our resort association members and places to stay, events, activities. Or if you're looking for countywide, it would be HaywardLakes.com. Um, really, those two websites will give you all you need to know about vacations right in our area. And back here to Deerfoot Lodge, you've got the bar here. We got live music here tonight. Yes, we do. We're Wh kicking off the summer season. Tell me who's playing. Sure. So uh, the Big Fish Band is playing. My dad's in the band. He's the <laughs> bass player. And they are That's pretty awesome. much our house band for the summer. We have live music every Wednesday from 5 to 7 outside when the weather's nice. And the whole bar fills up, the deck fills up, the lawn fills up. You can even hear it from the boat. And uh, you rent boats here, you offer some guided fishing or rental boats, or what do you have here yeah. for people that don't maybe don't have their own gear? Sure, and we see that more and more instead of owning a boat and all the expenses that come with that. You know, when people come up to vacation, they'll just rent a boat for the week or for their stay. We have four pontoon boats, three fishing boats, and then we work with a number of local guides to get people out and on to fish on the water. All right, well, why don't you run through some websites and social media platforms for, for you here and sure. then for, uh, for Hayward. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So if you're looking to book a trip with Deerfoot, our website is DeerfootLodge.com. Uh, we are also on Facebook and Instagram. Deerfoot Lodge Resort is our hashtag. And then again, for the Hayward area, we've got ChippewaFlowage.com or HaywardLakes.com. Well, I appreciate having us here with the GLOW and being a part of a GLOW. Obviously, we like that organization and uh, we think uh, there's big things coming and we're here to, to help you any way we can and we appreciate you helping us by having us out here. Yes, well thank you. We appreciate you being here. Alright, Amanda, thanks. Thank you. Devil's Lake is legendary and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Did you know there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com.
Right, this is Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network by demand, sportingjournalradio.com. Maybe you're watching this on YouTube, and if you are, you'd see that we are not in the studio. We're up in Hayward right now in the Chippewa Flowage. We're up here for the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers. It's a, it's a media camp up here, so we've got a bunch of content creators, some writers, uh, photographers, different people uh, learning about the Hayward Lakes area. We went on some ATV rides. We toured the St. Croix Rod uh, Factory, got to see how St. Croix rods were built. And right now we're fishing with Blake Tollison. And Blake, what's your, what would your title be with uh, St. Croix? So I'm on their pro staff, uh, content creator for them, and then I also run their social media. All right, how long have you been with them? Uh, about four years. Did you see all the bait just jump behind the boat right yeah, there? Yeah, I think it's a big pot of bluegills back there. So we're on, we're fishing uh, panfish really is what we're going after. We got these uh, panfish rods from St. Croix that uh, we got to see a bunch of different rods get built at the factory. It was pretty cool. And then we got to try out these panfish rods. So we're catching crappies, bluegills. We've caught some pike, largemouth, and also uh, um, walleyes. That's right, walleyes. Yeah. That's what we were the most excited to catch. I know we're For crappie sure. fishing or panfish uh, fishing, but it was kind of cool to catch some crappies or some walleyes. Dan got a couple. You got a couple walleyes. Yep. Um, you you fish this area fairly often? Yeah, I don't. I've never fished the flowage. This is actually my first time on the flowage, okay. but all the other lakes in the area I've spent a lot of time on. All right, this is a neat area up here. It is. It's a really cool area. A lot to do. Obviously, fishing is uh, number one. I mean, muskie season opens here in a couple of days, so a lot of people are going to be chasing muskies around. Uh, good walleye fishery. Uh, obviously, solid panfish fishery as well, too. And that's kind of your thing, right? You like to chase yep. crappies around? Yeah, crappies is kind of my favorite. I do a little bit of everything, a little bit of trout, a little bit of walleye, a little bit of smallmouth, but crappies, you know, take kind of cake for me. We should keep, are you fishing? We should probably keep fishing while we're doing this. No sense in uh, stopping the fish just to do a little uh, interview here for the podcast and radio show. But um, what that, that obviously you've probably been through the factory uh, a number of times. You've been on that tour before? Yep. Yeah, I've been on it one other time. Okay. That was kind of neat. First of all, that Ken, uh, Ken Bonus, he kind of knows the stuff, doesn't he? He, he does, yeah. He's, uh, he's actually the company historian. So oh, okay. running the social, you know, sometimes they get questions like, you know, what can you tell me about this old rod? Ken's the, the go-to guy. He's got all the details, so. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Obviously, he's done that tour so many times. Right. Uh, knows what he's talking about, uh, entertaining. And I think the most impressive thing to me about that tour, Blake, was just to learn a little bit more about the company. You know, we've known that it's, you know, a family company, Park Falls, Wisconsin. Yep. Been around for a long time. Obviously, the products are, are high quality. But just to see how much of the process is hands-on, you got a fish? No, nope, no. Nope. How much of the process is hands-on and just how much quality control goes into the products before they get sent out to the stores and just the the success rate yes. in the first pass yield, the success rate on and how well the products are built right away. Right, yeah. So there's th actually 32 sets of hands that touch every St. Croix rod. So every, you know, every one of those hands touches that throughout the process of a rod being made. And it's, it's cool, I mean, for anybody, whether you're a St. Croix fan or not, it's really cool to be able to see how all of that it happens right here in Wisconsin. Now this rod that we're using, when um, Josh Lance was telling us, he gave us a choice of a couple of different rods to choose. And you said that this one was, is your favorite, or one of your favorites? Yeah, so that length, power, and action, that's a seven foot light extra fast. And I have the, basically the same rod in the Legend Elite Panfish. Okay. So this is kind of the top of the line. This is the entry level, and then there's one in between at the Avid Panfish. And okay. That, that seven foot light extra fast is, without a doubt, kind of the best length, power, and action when it comes to 
crappies, panfish in general. So you got the Legend Elite? Legend Elite panfish. You want to trade? Is that, I don't know about that. <laughs> this one has my name on it, so I don't think we can do that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So um, you, you work for, uh, do you want to talk about what you do for your, in your real uh, your real job, your day sure. job? Sure, yep. So yeah, my day job, I work for uh, one of the utility companies in Wisconsin, um, do kind of land management related things, a lot of land sales, land purchases, um, some easement acquisition, and and then I also get to deal with people who are encroaching on our property. That gives you some time to fish? Um, no, I wish it did. <laughs> I wish it did. But no, that's usually what my free time is all comprised of, either spending time with my wife and daughter or fishing. And you've got a, a new one on the way? Yep, new one on the way here. Within uh, the next week, I should have a, a second kid. So. so within the next week, how did your wife feel about you leaving and coming on this trip right well, before the due date? My wife is pretty cool. So um, she wasn't too worried. Thankfully, I'm only an hour and a half-ish from home. So I can turn around and get home pretty quick. Um, so she wasn't too concerned, but... Um, Hopefully it doesn't come early, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, you, you've been catching a lot of the fish here today. Of course, Dan's got some too. Tell us, uh, kind of explain how we're fishing here. What's what's your go-to, what's your plan? Yep, so we're kind of up in this shallower area here. I mean, the Chippewa Flowage in general has, seems to have a lot of deeper areas. So we're up in a shallow north-facing bay. This is where the warmest water is gonna be this time of year. Um, and what I'm doing right now is just throwing a simple jig and paddle tail. So I have a 16th ounce jig and a two inch B-Vibe from Bureau Tackle. And uh, that's been catching kind of the majority of my crappies today. Are you surprised that we've seen walleyes up here? I am. Uh, I mean, water temps, we're looking at 66 degrees. That's, uh, I'm very surprised, but the flowage is different, I guess, than a lot of natural lakes. I feel like this was a natural lake, it'd be a lot less likely that we'd see it up here. You know, there's some kind of tinge to the water it definitely helps in a lot of the clearer lakes around here. I don't think we'd expect to see walleyes up this shallow. I mean, it's middle of the day, high sun. Uh, of course, at first light, last light, it wouldn't be as much of a surprise, but. Right. So, yeah, sunny and 80 degrees, I think it <laughs> yeah, is right now. Yeah, middle of the day. So, yeah, definitely a surprise you'd see some fish up here. Would you as we transition to the afternoon and into evening would you stay in this spot or do you think you would move around in the evening or would you stay here to see if the fishers just hang around um i'd probably personally move i mean it's been a little bit since we've had fish biting so in down, my yeah. mind it's worth you know moving on i mean this this whole bay here is littered with kind of the shallow structure there's tons of trees in the water so that's what we've been catching fish on um we'll probably scan around and see if we can find any more weeds inside imaging Kind of in the middle of the day here, it seemed like a lot of those fish pushed out to that deeper weed edge, and that's where we found most of them. So I'd probably go looking for those and then maybe push back in a little bit shallower as as the day progressed. So when we are on Instagram, we'll go to the St. Croix Rods page yep. or some of the other social media uh, platforms. That's you posting that content? Yes, that is me on St. Croix, um, St. Croix Rod Factory Store as well. St. Croix Rod Factory Store, okay. Yep. Do you get to... You know, are you kind of creating content on the go or do you get to go, do they send you around, get to travel a little bit? Um, it's kind of a mix of everything. So St. Croix does a lot of photo shoots. So they try to get kind of a balanced group of people, uh, people who fish for different species. Obviously, if there's a new series coming out, um, you know, say it was a panfish series, they'd grab a handful of panfish anglers to be kind of the faces for that shoot. Uh, same thing when a new bass series, or new walleye series comes out. So we do get a ton of content from that. Um, <clears throat> 
Otherwise, our pro staffers provide a lot of good content as well. Sure. And then just fans of St. Croix, they'd be amazed at how much awesome stuff comes in from people who just love the brand. So as as what your job entails, are you the one that gets to decide whose face gets to be on billboards then? <laughs> no, right no. In front of the company? No, that is not me, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, uh, I don't think I'd put my own face on the billboards, so. <laughs> Yeah, right in front of the store, it's uh, Blake and uh, Joel Nelson on the billboard there. Whose decision was that, and when did you find out about it? Um, I th that was a whole internal team, I guess. That was, when was that? Two or three years ago, no, I think two years ago. Um, it was right before Customer Appreciation Day, and both Joel and I were speaking at that Customer Appreciation Day. And so it was kind of a nice surprise to drive up and see our, both of our pictures there on the billboard. Well, I wonder if they put it up for that day and then said, oh, this looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. So what what else, uh, what do you got coming up that you can talk about? Anything St. Croix related or non-St. Croix related? Uh, any trips or anything? Um, well, for me, with having a new kid, I don't, uh, I don't foresee too many trips happening this summer. Um, in terms of St. Croix, there's a ton of new stuff coming out at ICAST this year. I, I can't talk about it too much. All I can say is there's some really exciting things coming from St. Croix. So Customer Appreciation Day is June 17th. Uh, that's right at the St. Croix Rod Factory. So it's a super cool event. Uh, if you've never been, it's really, really worth checking out at least once. So <clears throat> they have a ton of speakers that come in and do seminars. Um, in the past, they had live music, free food. There's deals on St. Croix rods. Um, typically, there's deals on combos if you buy rods and reels you can get them all spooled up there um, yeah, it's just a really really cool opportunity there's you know special limited edition apparel that only happens for customer appreciation day this year there's some really good speakers um, you know several of the guys from the linder group i think al linder will be there this year oh, cool and james linder jeremy smith joel nelson steve hiding jason helfen so yeah and there's, oh, I know there's, there's yeah there's quite a few guys i'm missing but i know there'll be some quite a few good people up there. All right, and that that factory store, that's something that people can visit anytime, right? Yeah, yep, so it's open seven days a week. Uh, just be cognizant of kind of what the hours are. It's a little bit different during the week compared to um, on the weekends. They sell all the, I mean, pretty much every St. Croix rod there, whatever they have in stock. There's reels, line, tackle, um, basically everything you need, live bait. Um, and you can get some uh, you get some deals too, right? Yeah, you can. So they have B-stock rods there. So basically those are the rods that didn't turn out 100% perfect. And when I say 100% perfect, it's not things like this rod's gonna break on you. It's like maybe the logo has a little blemish on it. So it doesn't meet St. Croix standard. So they put it in what's called their B-stock. And those are discounted, um, you know, kind of varying percentages. So that's really your only place you can get a hand, your hands on those. And that's, uh, are any of those deals ever available, you know, online at least to see what's available in the store? Or do you have to come in and kind of see what's yeah, there? Yeah, it's one of those things you got to stop in. Uh, it never hurts to give the guys at the factory store a call. They're super helpful there. So if you ever want to just, you know, maybe you're going to be driving by, but you don't have a ton of time, give them a shout, see what they have in stock, and they'll definitely let you know. All right, Blake, well, tell us where we can find St. Croix in the store online and where we can find you on social media, too. Yeah, so St. Croix is just at St. Croix Rods on both Facebook and Instagram. St. Croix Rod Factory Store is on Facebook. And then you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at B. Tollefson Fishing. All right, Blake Tolson, appreciate the time today. Oh, Absolutely. look at that. Great way to end. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> look at that.
Big bass, yeah. <laughs> well, there it is. Good finish. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.